All right, we've pressed record, so I guess we've just got to go ahead and do it. Hi, I'm Thomas Kilroy, and uh, here is my first ever podcast on my new website. Um, I Very often I think of various ideas when I'm out running or when I'm working or something, and I think, oh, I must write a blog post about that. And of course, I never get around to actually committing those words to, to either typing them up or, or whatever. And then I thought, well, why don't I just stick a microphone in front of my face and record some of these ideas? Of course, it would be really nice to collaborate with some various other people, but just to get the ball rolling, I literally have put a microphone in front of my face and press record. And here we go. Not sure where this is going to go, but uh, if we don't make a start, we'll never know. So what are we going to talk about today? I don't know. It's, uh, it's, very, it's hard to say. It's Sunday the 19th of July. Uh, the sun is shining. Really, I should be outside and, uh, and enjoying, but I, I really just wanted to as I said, get this uh, together. I think one of the stories that I uh, read just in the, uh, during the week was um, the sale of Coat restaurants for £250 million, pounds, uh, which is a, a huge amount of money. Um, and I have to say, not that that makes any difference who owns it or whatever, but Coat restaurants, I'm very impressed with that. It, I think it's one of the jewels of the high street. So to see it uh, having been bought, what, about 18 months ago for about £100 million pounds, and then to see it just recently sold for, for £250 million pounds to a company called BC Partners. Um, yeah, very interesting. 67 sites, I think they have, uh, grown their uh, revenues by over 60% and in the last year posted a 26.6% rise in profit. Um so it's doing very well. Why is it doing very well? Well, that's the thing that interests me because here in Oxford, uh, you know, we don't we don't go out too often. And when we do, we want to go out and feel that when we spend money, that we're going to get value for money. That's that's important to us. We will try something new. We'll even give it a second chance. But if we, if we're let down uh, the second time, then, you know, we tend to go back to where we like. And I have to say, the Coat restaurant here in Oxford is absolutely amazing. I mean, really, I'm not just saying that they really look after us, but I'm so impressed every time I go in. So there we were, Friday night, myself and my wife. uh, Our daughter was on a sleepover, so we said we'll walk up the street and see if there's a table about 9.30. Sure enough, yeah, if you want to wake it a couple of minutes, we will give you a table. And eventually we, we sat down and straight away, uh, my wife always goes for Key Royale, which comes in a, the most beautiful glass. I have to say that the, the champagne glasses they use are better quality than, let's say, Brasserie Blanc around the corner. Um, and the price of a, of a Key Royale is just four twenty five. So, you know, the price point is right. And yet the quality of the glass is served in and the drink itself is really nice. For me, I don't drink. So I'm looking for something like uh, a Bex Blue. Do you do a Bex Blue? In the past, no, they don't. As a whole, coat restaurants don't do that. However, they do stock it for me. The uh, the manageress there, she pops up the street, gets a few bottles from Tesco's and just keeps it in the fridge. And they charge me uh, with the markup that they would charge if it was a Cronenberg or whatever the other, the other beer is. But the fact that I feel really special in the coat restaurant here in Oxford, I have to say, that's the reason why they seem to be full all the time. The other thing, of course, when you think about the food, I have to say, again, 
beautiful fresh ingredients the menu is quite extensive a lot of fish meat you know the starters down to earth fare really good ingredients and i just think every single time consistency seems to be their key and i think uh, i've often said this before albert rue once said even a consistently bad restaurant will do well uh, because you know what you're going to get for the money. At least I've been told Albert Roux says that. Now that I'm committing this to a podcast, somebody might correct me on that. But if he did say it, I think he's correct. And uh, certainly it's the sort of thing he would say. Um, so Coach Restaurant sold for £250 million, uh, plans to open lots more sites. And I hope that uh, a site comes to, to your area very soon, because from my experience, both of Oxford and visiting Coat in London and visiting Coat um, in Bath, on every occasion we have been uh, nicely impressed. So, yeah, wish them all the best. What other restaurants have been to recently? Actually, just talking about Oxford, uh, I've got to tell you about this new place that's opened. And it's on Gloucester Green, which is a little sort of market square, if you like, just at the back of the bus station in the centre of town and a little place called Bongiorno. And they opened about six weeks ago and I, I walked in. It was in it. The, the, the premises was a previous uh, print site, print print. Printers was there, which which closed down and, and they moved out. And the, it was empty for quite some time. And out of the blue, I just see this place is open, a pizzeria. I walked in and buongiorno, this, this fantastic welcome, you know. But they didn't speak a word of English. They had literally arrived straight off off the boat from Italy with the most amazing uh, charcuterie, all the all the various sliced meats and the and the the huge wheel of uh, parmesan up in the counter, and the pizzas that they had uh, that they were making just there, and a fantastic range of pizzas which you don't normally see in 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 this part of the world in in England. So things like, for example, I mean, obviously smoked salmon with egg on top, which was which was really nice. Um, what was the other one that was quite interesting? There was a potato one which seemed to have um, some kind of pickled um, courgettes on there. And even the vegetarian one, which, uh, which again just had some, some sliced um, mixed peppers, if you like, on top and a sprinkle of the really nice fiery hot uh, chili flakes. As I said, the flour has come in from Italy, the, the buffalo mozzarella has come in from Italy, the, or the tomatoes have come in, everything in from Italy. And it seems that the... The, the investor, the main investor, is a guy who, uh, who I've just said hello to. He doesn't speak any, any English, so I've just we've, but he was introduced to me as, uh, as a guy who seems to own some kind of a big company over in Italy, and he's just decided for whatever reason Oxford to open this fantastic deli that you really feel that you're sitting in somewhere in Italy having this pizza. So it's really, really good. Recommend it to anyone who's who's living in Oxford. In terms of other places we've been to recently, I think we, we last week we were down at Bone Daddy's in Soho and I'd read a lot about it, heard about it, huge amount of excitement. So we saw, we thought we'd check it out. And yeah, as a concept, yeah, very interesting, very, very vibrant, uh, short menu. I think the, the appetizers, um, personally speaking, maybe a bit more exciting than the main course in the sense of soft shell crab, etc., etc. Um, in terms of main course, uh, yeah. It's it's noodles, it's soup, there's some bones in there, you know, it, it, it's nice. Very loud music, uh, not much in the way of desserts, 
But again, yeah, I can see why they're busy. They're turning tables all day long. But they opened another restaurant around the corner called Shack Fuyu. And I have to say that really impressed us. We went there about a few weeks ago. And again, uh, amazing food, which I'm going to talk about in a, in a subsequent podcast. But uh, that was interesting. It's nice to just see these places that you read about and uh, pop in and see them and see what they're like. What else has been in the news? Um, Let me have a look. Eating out and consumer spending declines, says survey. So this is again uh, Food Service Consultancy Horizons' latest eating out uh, outlook report. Um, So basically they take 2,000 consumers and ask them, uh, you know, how how often and how much do you spend when you you eat out? it, yeah, okay, so it says spending declines, and there's been a decline. But I, I don't know. If you say that maybe uh, 12 months ago, 71% were eating out, and this year, 69%, 2%, not, not, not quite so sure that that's really enough to, to really worry too much about. For example, here it says the decline in eating out was particularly marked against amongst the 35 to 44-year-old um, age group. Last summer, 72% of respondents to the survey in this age group had eaten out in the previous two weeks, compared with 72 this year. So 72% last year, 72% this year. Where's the decline? I think, once again, the decline, um, if there is, is very small. 2% is not. It's almost a margin of error. So I wouldn't. I wouldn't really... Uh, worry about that. In my own case, yeah, sure. I think we eat out less. Why? Because I'd rather spend my money on clearing my credit card. Um, and I think quite a few other people are doing the same thing. And also, I would say that we're looking for more value for money. Uh, one other point about it is that so many supermarkets now are really producing quite quite good produce that would save you phoning for that takeaway or or going out. Um, just took a walk around the aisles of Marks and Spencers yesterday, you know, and the, the Indian takeaway box for £8.25, which was a, a, a reasonably substantial meal for myself, my wife and my daughter. Uh, you know, straight away, that has saved me phoning up the local takeaway and maybe spending £20, £25 on. So, yeah, the, there is a, a decline, but I think the decline is only where we're trying to take ownership of, of our spending. That's my feeling on it. I don't know. What do you think? If you have any thoughts on any of this, why not tweet me on um, at my kitchen sink? That's sync as in synchronize S Y N C. So what else? Anything else in the news that uh, that looks interesting? Restaurant Sat Baines. Uh, he Sat seems to have uh, uh, created a bit of a headline where he's introduced a four day week, and I think his you know to be fair, one of the biggest problems we have in our hospitality sector is attraction of of staff. So if you're in a place that's outside of London, it's going to be really, really difficult to attract staff. So moving to a four day week, I think that's a Wednesday to a Saturday is 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 what he's um he's basically looking at. Um, and while it will take a hit in terms of income, uh, I think I think in the end that could be a very prudent decision for him to attract really good staff, as it says uh, in reading, uh, you know, reading between the lines. If I was working there and I know that I'm going to get Sunday and Monday and Tuesday off every single week, and I know that I can book that trip to Paris or I can, I can go home to see my parents or I can get my banking done and so on and so forth. Whatever you need to do, um, over your couple of days off, and knowing that you get the same every week, yeah, I think that's a that's a very attractive offer for somebody who might want to uh, to join join a, a restaurant or or a hotel or whatever. 
So I think that's a very clever way of, of trying to attract good people. And the other thing as well is that you can put your 100% into your Friday night, Saturday night, knowing you can <laughs> you can have a good lie-in on Sunday morning if you want to. So yeah, I think uh, that'll be interesting to see how long how long will that go? Will that will will that end up being a permanent thing? I think he's putting it under a trial period indefinitely. So he'll be he'll be adding it up to see is it uh, is it a cost to his business worth taking? Um, possibly it will be. And then on the other side of the coin, uh, there is Weatherspoon boss. <laughs> Uh, who says the living wage could attack future of British pubs. Well, you know, the future of British pubs is under attack left, right and centre, up, down. What's what's another government uh, statement going to make? I don't know. Um, I think in the end they had to make some sort of a statement. If you're going to try and win votes in the next election, you've got to start making statements now to, to set the scene and have that discussion. And I think uh, Weatherspoon... Uh, they've still made their margins, yeah, maybe a bit tighter than before, but uh, they'll find a way around this. It, it's the same every time, every time. Again, let's have a look. What else? What else is in the news? Food service Katie's. Well, there's something close to my heart, having worked for Baxter Story over the last uh, four or five years and uh, just recently left them. I don't know if you're aware, I'm now at the London Clinic in uh, Harley Street, which, uh, in case you've never heard of that, that's the... Uh, regarded as one of the largest private hospitals in the UK, um, which is a very, very interesting endeavour, I have to tell you. I'm six weeks in uh, and I'm absolutely loving it. Uh, I mean, really enjoying it, enjoying the challenge, enjoying the environment and actually enjoying the just the the whole idea of uh, a whole set of new uh, skills that I've had to to pick up um, because I now have a team uh, of 95 people in my housekeeping arm and I didn't realise how integral housekeeping was um, to the right across the clinic uh, in terms of uh, the touch points with the consultants, the nursing staff, the patients, um, etc., etc. So that that that's proved to be very interesting. So when I saw the uh, the the shortlist being released, obviously I went down the list list, and I'm looking for some of my colleagues there at Baxter Story to see if there's any. Uh, any shoe-ins or any uh, surprises uh, and to be fair there's two or three in there that I think um, I personally believe their their name is already on that on that Katie award uh, for example one that really stands out for me is uh, Hayden Groves chef of the year he's up for chef of the year uh, which is sponsored by by Reynolds so we have three people which would be uh, Ian Green from Green and Fortune Hayden Groves from Baxter Story and Lloyd Mann who is with ISS Food and Hospitality why Hayden well aside from the fact that Hayden had won the um, national chef of the year there in uh, 2012 and is is an awesome cook i mean he's an amazing chef uh, as it goes but right now as i speak he is there in france cycling another leg of the tour de france not the official tour de france but a special tour de france um event which is one day ahead of the main official ride and basically himself and a team of 10 12 people have um 
uh, raising a million pounds for leukemia. A guy called Jeff Thomas, I think, former footballer who has organised it. And Hayden signed up uh, to, to do it. Um, I think he, he basically made a couple of calls, got through, spoke to spoke to the boss, Mr Story himself, who, who gave it his backing. And uh, £50,000 was the challenge. He had to raise £50,000. He raised £50,000. I think he's gone on to, to, to raise even more than that. So now he's got to go and do it in order to collect in all those those pledges. And I have to say, I've been reading his blog, um, which is called Not About the Grouse. And I have to say, it, it's quite exceptional what he is doing for, for this, this one-off event. Because if, if, if you've ever... Uh, if you go to his blog, Not About the Grouse, and just go back on his backstory, one of the things about Hayden is that he always said in his various interviews that if he wasn't a chef, he, he, he always wanted to be a professional cyclist. It was his biggest regret that he couldn't become a professional cyclist. So for him, this is the nearest he has come to his dream, and we wish him every success. I think it's, I think it's going to be quite amazing to see how much money they will raise in the end. Um, so yeah, I think Hayden Groves will has a very good chance at uh, Chef of the Year. Who else have we got in there from from the um, the WSH um, stable? I see Education Caterer of the Year, uh, Chartwells, Holroyd Howe, and Pabulum. Well, Holroyd Howe, let me tell you, just go to Holroyd Howe's Twitter feed and have a look at the photographs of the food that they're cooking. And um, and I think you'll 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 see what I mean when I talk about how exceptional their food is uh, for for young people. And again, one one initiative that came up, and it's just a chef manager or one of the chefs in the in there. He just decided to reduce the amount of sugar in uh, some of the recipes, and as a consequence, he managed to to reduce um, almost half the sugar in all of the the, the pudding recipes that they were putting out. Um, and it proved so successful because the the, the kids didn't hardly even realized that the, that these recipes had changed and he made a huge uh, saving in that and uh, as a consequence I think it's become a, a almost like a company policy to to look at uh, recipes right across the the business um, and again that's hugely beneficial to to kids health aside from that of course the fact that Holroyd Howe are you know the figures speak for themselves I think that this year uh, just recently, WSH released their figures. Meanwhile, Holroyd Howe, let me have a read here. It says its counterpart in the independent education saw sales surge to £38 million, pounds, up 27%. Let me have a look here. Yeah, so that was the year previous. And this year, again, they have seen sales um, up by, let me have a look. So here we go. Uh, WSH Education by Holroyd Howe Catering both saw revenues grow by 14% to £44 million. So again, uh, you know, two years ago that was £30 million. They're now up to £44 million revenue. So when you look at those kind of figures, uh, yeah, you have to say that um, that uh, Holroyd Howe have been outperforming the market. Uh, and then let me see. Oh, yeah, one other name that really stands out for me here, Tim Sturk in the training award. And I have to tell you, Tim, I, I love Tim. Tim is the most – Tim Tim is coffee. Coffee and Tim Sturk are two names that just go hand in hand. And Tim has had a stellar year this year because um, aside from the fact that for the third year running he has had a finalist um, – in fact, he had two finalists in the um, – no, sorry, let me say that again. He had a finalist for the third year running in the UK Barista Championships, 
and uh, Jana came uh, third overall. So that's the third year running that he has produced a finalist and coached and mentored a finalist. He himself was invited to be a um, a judge at the World Barista Championships and he received a, a, a Europe-wide uh, special, special award uh, just earlier in the year. So if you look at... Um, at his uh, track record in uh, what he has done for coffee in this country, coffee as a whole, as in, as as a sector, uh, I think it really stands out. Not that's not to take anything away from the other people in the uh, in the awards, but I really do believe that uh, Tim Sturk is a, would be a worthy winner of that. So I wish I wish Tim Sturk all the best, and I again wish uh, uh, um, Hayden. Every success in that uh, cycle, and let's see. One thing is for sure: you're definitely going to have an amazing night, uh, Baxter Story, on on the night of the um, food service, Katie's. So there we are. We've uh, we've looked at uh, a little bit of food service catering. We've looked at a little bit of high street. We've looked at uh, some trends. Uh, a little bit on employment issues. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I don't know if any of this is any good to you, but certainly. Uh, for me, it's just been interesting to speak into a microphone about these things rather than uh, sit at a, at a screen and, and, and type out um, a blog post. Anything else on my mind over the last few days? Actually, one of the, one of the things that I've been talking about uh, to a lot of my colleagues um, at London Clinic um, is a thing called Inbox Zero. One of the challenges that I set myself um, is to try and keep my inbox to an absolute minimum. Um, and so far, touch wood, touching this table here, uh, uh, touch wood, it seems to be working. And what it is, is that uh, as I joined, I realized that there was this culture, and there still is this culture where an email is sent to one person and then copy in 15 other people, whether they need to be copied in or not. Um, and then somebody else would reply and reply to that person and then copy in those 15. So in the end, you get this kind of thread going where you have no input in the conversation. It really doesn't affect you per se, um, but it's just filling up your inbox. So I've had to very gently uh, go back to people and say, listen, here's, here's a little trick for you. <laughs> have the conversation with somebody. And if you want to kind of bring it to my attention or give me visibility on it, then forward me either your initial uh, one so that I'm out of the loop in terms of the conversation, but that I will can read it and, and store it away or have the back and forth conversation with that person and when it's all done uh, you can always forward me the thread uh, which which if you scroll down you can see the thread and just a quick fyi and 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 whatever it is um but but when you when it comes to to inbox era how do you how do you arrive at that and people have asked me well, you know what's what what is the secret to that so what i've done is i've, I've set up three three or four um folders within my inbox and okay so the actual inbox itself then remains at zero so they three or four emails come in and as soon as they arrive in what you decide is do I need to action that now or can I just file that away under something or do, do I need to keep an eye on that over the next few days etc so one one folder is called action which means I need to action that right now. So I drop that in there and say, right, that's got to be dealt with by the end of the day, by close of play, that's got to be sorted. The second one then is file to follow. So if I have a little project going on where there's 
various intermittent um, emails, let's say something around vending or something around, doesn't matter. Actually, one of the things I have to deal with uh, at London Clinic is patient gowns. So we're, we're trying to source the best quality patient gowns that we can do, which uh, was something I never, ever, ever thought I would have to deal with in my catering uh, career, but uh, it just goes to show you the diversity of of hospitality and the amazing career you can have in hospitality. So, nevertheless, there we are. I'm dealing with patient gowns. So, um, as I kind of keep an eye on that, I'll have whatever the most recent email is under uh, follow up, and it just sits in there. So, I got five or six emails, and that those emails would just form the basis of my com- conversation with my line managers and with some of my my direct reports where I might just uh, sort of talk to them and say, so where are we with vending or where are we with something? And as the next email comes in, then that gets replaced and it keeps that conversation moving. So it's kind of like a to-do list. And if I had a couple of days off or even a couple of weeks off and, uh, you know, hundreds of emails came in, I've got one other folder which says file to folder. So what I can do then is just drag all the emails in there, drop them under, under file to folder and you're back to inbox zero so that you don't feel swamped and as emails are coming in you're dealing with them but you need to go back in and and just make sure that you do file all of those uh, emails in where they belong but it's a way of being able to just take control just press reset on your inbox and make sure that that inbox and I have to say there is it's a really good feeling by the time you get to Friday evening for example if you're off over the weekend um, the last thing I do before I shut down my computer I just go in review all of those inbox is empty the action inbox is pretty much empty i might have one in there to to deal with first thing on monday morning um and and all the others that are rolling are are up to date and dealt with and boxed off and actually as so far i haven't needed to use that file to folder because i am keeping on top of it and now what i have to do is just start to share that with some of my some of my team uh, members so that they can start to get the benefit of this this way of thinking um and guess what? You can get out of the chair. You can walk to the office next door and just um, speak to your colleague rather than sending that email. So there you go. That's just a little something that was on my mind. Inbox zero. That's my sort of challenge. And uh, why not have a go at it? Just set up a couple of folders. Take any everything that's in your in your inbox. Um, drag it over into file to folder and start all over again as if it was your first day in the job and then just create an action folder and uh, a follow-up folder and just use those two as a way of filtering where your priorities are you'd be surprised it really does work all right so that's it i'm thomas kilroy you can uh, get in touch with me on twitter at my kitchen sink that's uh, my kitchen and sink as in s-y-n-c synchronize um, if you have any thoughts on that and uh, e- equally if you go to thomaskilroy.com forward slash blog you will see that I have a, a few thoughts that I've also written there don't know if this is any good tweet me some ideas of what you'd like to think about and talk about next time and as I said hopefully we will get some uh, some people in to, to have conversations with and expand on this in the future but it's always good just to just to get the first one under your belt Speak soon. Enjoy the amazing weather and uh, whatever you're doing, make it uh, productive and fulfilling. <laughs>